Thank you for taking us on vacation with you. We know how we have so many out there uh, that are pulling us up wherever you are today. You can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, that's where we're really hanging out today to finish this series out. And, um, and if you don't have a Bible, I always encourage bringing one, but maybe you left it at home while you were yelling at the kids to hurry up and get in the car. Or maybe you're new and just didn't have one, and that's okay too. It'll come on the screen during the message, uh, but we're going to hang out in Matthew chapter 7. want to say first and foremost, next week is Father's Day. Come on, let's celebrate all the men. We're honored. We love you guys. Literally wouldn't be here without you. And um, no, we want to celebrate men next week at Ready 8 Church. It's going to be a blast. And we got a lot of really fun things planned and a lot of great ways to celebrate the men in your lives. So make sure you're here. Uh, you know, Mother's Day statistically is always way more attended than Father's Day. And I'm just all about breaking statistics, as y'all know, from the Summer Challenge. And so let's get as many men here as we can. We want to celebrate them and give some things away and have a lot of fun and celebrate the men in your life. So we've been in this series called That's What He Said. That's what he said, and we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Y'all think I go long sometimes. I don't preach three-chapter messages, right? Y'all need to talk to Jesus a little bit. Um, it took us seven weeks to break it down. I mean, that was a message right there. That was a sermon. And we're at the point of the series in the sermon where Jesus is basically wrapping the entire thing up with a call to action or a, what we call here a next step. And Jesus uh, is giving a next step for us, and I'm going to go ahead and ruin it uh, before I preach the message, but the next step is you can either choose to walk in the ways that lead to full life, or you don't have to. It's really up to you. He gives us a really easy A or B. You choose, not me. I don't get to choose it. In fact, he says it like this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. He, he says this. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. I don't, I don't know anybody that wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what I want today? Destruction. I want destruction today. I want it all to just be just terrible. I want my whole life to just go downhill and be bad and I don't want to end up anywhere good. Nobody does that. And Jesus is talking about this because he's talking to people literally physically in that moment that are on the hillside while he's preaching. And he knows they don't want that. And he's telling them, hey, I'm just letting you know, if you want to go with the crowd, if you follow the crowd, if you go with the flow, I'm just telling you, it's going to lead to destruction. Because he finishes up with another verse and, or, or phrase in verse 14. He says, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Because isn't it easier to go with the crowd, right? Isn't it easier to go with the popularity? Isn't it easier to go, oh, they're going that way. I think I'll go that way. It's, you know, in, in, in airports or in amusement parks or whatever, it's just easy to kind of go with the flow of traffic rather than go against it because then you just get mad and clothesline somebody and it just gets bad. You know what I'm saying? You end up in jail the next day. That's not good. But here's what... <laughs> Someone was like, that escalated fast. But... <laughs> But here's the truth. Watch this. Jesus is saying, when it comes to spirituality, if you follow the crowd when it comes to spirituality, if you follow the crowd when it comes to spirit, if you follow the crowd when it comes to faith and religion, I just want you to know destruction is wide. 
It's easy to get to that place. And he's saying, I don't want that for you. You don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. I want life for you. I want full life with you for you. I want greatness for you. I want goodness for you. And because I want those things, I need to let you know that if you go through the wide gate, greatness is not there for you. Goodness is not there. Eternity is not there. Destruction is on the other side. And he says, few find it. Why do few find it? Because it's easier to think that we're our own God and go that wide gate so that we can live our lives dependent on what we believe than it is to go, no, there's a God that is greater than me. Jesus kind of says it like this in these couple of verses. He says it a little bit like this. Your path, your path will lead you closer to or further from God. What is a path? A path is a way to a destination. I'm an illustrative guy. I like to, I think through uh, illustration and sight. And so I think, uh, or I learn through. And so I think a lot of times whenever I hear something like that, I'll think through illustrative points. And here's kind of one, right? Do we have any Disney freaks in the house? I know there's a few in this room that need to raise their hands right now, right? Like I, some of you are not raising your hands and you need to, no. Um, Disney freak, anybody just like, you ever been to, or never been to Disney, but you'd like to go one day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or how many have been to Disney, right? Dis- okay, all right. We got, we got a good crowd that encompasses most people, right? So Disney's great. Disney's one of those bucket list places, right? So I've never been to Disney in 38 years of my life. And I went last year for the first time. And it was something. It was an experience. Uh, it was magical. It was great. I took my kids. Uh, we had a great time. Um, and they, they say, uh, the best advice I ever got, this is for you if you ever go to Disney. Uh, when you go to Disney, you're not going on vacation. You're going on a trip. Do not go thinking that you're going on vacation because vacation means rest. <laughs> Disney has nothing to do with rest, right? And, and, the, and the cool thing is, is like going to Disney. I didn't realize this until Disney was booked and we started figuring this stuff out. Man, my wife was like talking to several people in the room and they were like, because they're, y'all, we got some Disney freaks in this house. Like, I'm just letting you know. In this church, if you ever say anything bad about Disney, you might as well just wear body armor because it is bad. Okay. And, but like she's talking to people uh, from our church and she's figuring out what are the best days to go to Magic Kingdom and what are the best days to go to, I don't know, the other Parks, to be quite honest, a universal. No, that's not one. Uh, what Hollywood Studios? That's the one I was thinking about. See, I pay so much attention. And she's figuring all this stuff out, and we got it all booked, and we got it all planned, and we're gonna go eat at this restaurant at this time, and we're going to this park on this day from these times, and all this stuff is working, and all these things, right? And, and in order to get there to from here, from where we are in Columbia, you get on I-20, right? You go a little west. And, and you jump on I-95, you get on, uh, you get on 20 to 77 to 95, and you go south. Just get on 95 south. That's all you got to figure out. And if you get on 95 south, just drive straight. You'll go through two buckies, right? And if you come on somebody, right, that's my theme park right there. If you don't stop at Bucky's, then I'll pray for your salvation later. You go through two Buckies, you go through all these towns, and, 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 and you go through Georgia, and you go through all this stuff, and just keep going straight, and then eventually you just run right into Disney. Now, here's the thing, right? If you get on 95 and you start going north, it doesn't matter how much planning you've done, right? It doesn't matter how excited you are. It doesn't matter how much money you spent to get this thing together. If you start going 95 north, you are not going to end up anywhere near Disney, are you? Because it's 95 South. And nobody in here would go, I want to go to Disney. I think I'll just hop on 95, go north, and figure it out from there. 
No, what you do is you figure out how to get there, and then you jump on the path to get there. And this is what Jesus is saying. It doesn't matter how much forethought you put into it, how much, how much effort you put into it, how many things you do right, how many things you do that may be good, all these things. The reality is there is a path that you have to take in order to get to Jesus, in order to get to full life in Christ, in order to get to eternal life, in order to get to salvation, in order to get to heaven, there is a path you have to take, and it is not the wide path, it is not the popular path, it is not the great path, it is the path of Christ. And he's saying, listen, I know what it's like, I know, and, and, and in fact, I can get on 95 North, and I can put the pedal to the metal, and I can drive as fast as I want, and as hard as I want, and I can pass as many people as I want, and I can stop at as many buckies as I want, and I can do all these things, but I'm only getting further away from the destination. And for a lot of us, we are running hard to be a good person, and we're running hard to have great morals, and the world would tell us that there is many options to get to one destination. There are many roads to get to eternal salvation. There are many ways to get to God. There are many ways to do these things. You just run hard, be a good person, have good morals, make good decisions, be a good husband, make a lot of money, do what you can. Just be your best. Put your faith in a few things. And Jesus is approaching these conversations, approaching these thoughts. When he says this, and here's, he actually approaches this in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no one, not one person, comes to the Father, God, except through me. In other words, it's my redemption, and it's my grace, and it's my sacrifice that I gave on the cross for you and for your love and for your relationship. It is only through that that we have now been made clean and able to approach the throne of God. Hebrew says, I, am, I can now approach the throne with boldness through the blood of Jesus. And I just want to clear something up for you today. There's not many ways to God. There's one. Jesus is not... One of many options. Jesus is the option. Jesus is the way. And he says that is the narrow way. Why? Because there's only one. There's not a bunch of different roads that lead to one place. There's one. And I want you, and here's what he's saying to all of us, whether we've been in church our entire lives or not, he's saying this, I want you going through the narrow gate because I want to be with you. And I don't want you to go, leave here. I don't ever want anybody to leave here thinking, well, all i got to be is a good person and have good morals. I think that stuff's important, but I think it comes from love. That is not eternal salvation. That is behavior modification. And we can do that without God. But what we cannot do without him is salvation. What we cannot do is redeem our past. What we cannot do is forgive our sin. What we cannot do is enter the kingdom. In fact, as we're living this life and, 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 and we add a lot of things, because a lot of times we can go, here's how I want to live. Let me cherry pick a scripture and figure out how to back that up into my life. I want you to understand something, that the ways of God will never contradict the word of God. Please hear me. The ways of God never contradict the word of God. There's an importance, there's a power, there's a reason we need to get into this word and we need to know the, the words that he's left for us and we need to know what he's teaching and we need to know about his, uh, his character and his love and his grace and his mercy and it's because when things get hard and things get difficult or when I just want to live a way that I want to live, I have to know the word of God in order to know the way of God or else I'll never get to the destination of God. Are you with me today? 
And I just want to right off the bat, Jesus hits this thing. Remember, he's talking to us and he's teaching us. He's going, here's how you live your life. And from love, not for love, and develop a private faith that makes a public impact. And Jesus is teaching these things, but I love the fact that he's ending and he's going, hey, it's been a great sermon, right? And they're like, yeah, woo, good job, Jesus. You're a great communicator, woo, yeah. Been here three days, three chapters. <laughs> but Jesus goes, now it's on you. You can choose God, or you don't have to. But here's what it looks like. And so we are faced with the same questions. And I think sometimes we just have to check ourselves. So that's the title of the message today, Check Yourself. And I got four checkpoints for our faith and for our lives to figure out where are we in this journey of life? Where are we in this journey of faith? And the first checkpoint is this, check your feet. Check your feet. In fact, if you flip over, or you can write this down, that's fine too. In Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 26, God's word teaches us this. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. In, in other words, if I look down and I give my path to God, if I'm walking on the ways of God, if I'm walking in the direction of God, if I'm going toward the narrow gate, if I'm figuring this life out based on faith, and I'm figuring this life out based on obedience, and I'm figuring this life out based on listening to the Holy Spirit, and I'm figuring all this stuff out, here's what he says, God will establish your path. He will establish your steps. I don't know about you, but I joke about this, but I'm actually real and most of you will probably resonate with this thought, but I have a really good idea of what my life should be like moving forward, right? Anybody else? Hey, I got a really good idea of how much money I need to make. Come on. What house I need, what boat I need, praise God. How much golf I need to play, come on. I got to play a lot to get good, and then when I get good, I'll probably want to play a lot more. I got, I, I got a great idea of what my kids need and my wife needs and what you need as, the, as Radiate Church and what our church as an organization needs. I got a great idea. I got a great future plan for us. Watch this. We can plan our paths. We can walk our paths. But when we do, we have to hold it with an open hand. Spiritual maturity is the ability to be flexible with what we think we have to have. It's the ability to go, you know what, God, this isn't my life. This is yours. I'm a vessel that you're using to make an impact in this world. I am someone you want relationship with. And because of that, God, I never want to stray from the path that's going to get me to the destination of the kingdom. I never want to walk away from the road that's going to get me closer to you. I never want to do those things. And because I don't want to do those things, God, why don't you establish my steps? Like, I have an idea of what it looks like. But, God, if you tell me that's wrong, then I'll go in another direction. Are you following me today? Check your feet. Where are you going? Because your path does determine your destination. Where are you going? I, I took a moment this past week with some other pastors, about 20, 25 other pastors, and I sat by a river, right, by myself for a little while, and I sat on top of a mountaintop uh, for a little while, and I just prayed, and I was just asking God. I was reflecting and asking questions and, and all these things, and I had a lot, of, a lot of great conversation with God that some of them, if I'm real, were very hurtful because I thought I was a whole lot better in some areas than I really am. And I, and I started going, I asked myself this question, and I'm going to ask you. But first, in order for you to really get there, here's what I want you to do. I want you to vision your life and what you do, how you live your life is a path. 
and it's taking you somewhere. So if you would, just do something. I know it may feel a little strange to you for a minute, and that's okay. But just close your eyes for a minute. Like, I'm not going to scream and scare you. Just close your eyes. It's okay. We're good. Our safety team has got you. We're all all right. Just close your eyes. And think about how you live your life, the rhythms, the routines, the regularities, what you do with your life. If you're at home, do the same thing. Close your eyes on your couch. And what am I, how am I living my life right now? How's this going? And then think about, ask yourself this question. Where is my current path taking me? Doesn't have to be a bad answer. Doesn't have to be a good one. If you're anything like me, when I was asking myself that question, there was a moment where I went, I'm not real sure. I'm not real sure of what destination I'm getting to in the next year. Or two years, three years, five years, ten years. And can I tell you something? You can go ahead and open your eyes because some of you are falling asleep. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Can I tell you something? That's okay. Whatever your answer is, I want you to know it's okay. It's all right. Because just like going to Disney, if I'm heading 95 north instead of south, but I'm ready to go to Disney now, all I got to do is get off on an exit and make what they call what? A U-turn and get back on the same path and go to where I need to go. And I just want you to know that Jesus has made the off-ramps so easy and the on-ramps so easy that a U-turn is almost impossible not to take. And it's so hard not to take. You have to try not to turn around and go in the right direction. I just want you to know that wherever you feel like your path is taking you, if it's not towards Jesus, a U-turn is in your future and it is okay. In fact, a U-turn, some people have already taken a U-turn today spiritually. And I want you to know that not all roads may lead to the same destination, but if my path isn't taking me where I know that I need to go with God, then I can turn myself around at any point. Can I give you this other thought that's going to help you do that? Learn to plant yourself. When I was talking about check your feet, I thought about this idea that many of us are moving around so much and we're so busy and we're so crazy and it's almost like this badge of honor to go, I've been so busy, I can't text you. I've been so busy, I can't answer the phone. I've been so busy, I haven't been able to think straight. I've been so busy, I can't even make food. I've been so, you know what I'm saying? Like it's this badge of honor. And some of us get so busy moving that our feet are never able to stay in a place to where we're actually hearing from God in the first place. To where we're growing with God. And then we want to know why when the sun comes out, it scorches our faith. When hard times come, it scorches what we thought we were based in. And it's because roots, the deeper the roots, the stronger the plant. And I just want you to know, some of us just need, I just need to give you freedom today. It's okay to sometimes sit around and do nothing. It's okay to sit around and just go, God, I'm not, I'm not at a worship service. I'm not at church. I'm not in a small group. I just want to hear from you. It's okay to turn your commute from home to work into a worship time in your car. It's okay to plant your feet somewhere. And listen, it's okay to be in a church and not always agree with every single thing. Oh, y'all got quiet. It's okay to plant your feet at a place that challenges your faith. It's okay to plant your feet in relationships, in small groups, in life groups that help you grow deep roots so that the fruit is so much healthier. Are you with me today? Check your feet is number one. Number two is check your fruit. Check your fruit. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, it says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
You will know them by their fruits. <laughs> Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears what? Oh, come on, y'all can do better than that. Every good tree bears? Good fruit, but the bad tree bears? Oh, man, you guys are good. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their what? Fruits. Check your fruits. Check your fruits. Here's what he's talking about in, um, in, in, in false prophets. A false prophet is someone that speaks on behalf of God but is not saying what God says. It's adding God's name to something God never added his name to. That's a false prophet. I tell people all the time, every now and then, and when you're in leadership, you know, God, everything's seasonal. And so sometimes staff will come in and, and God will lead them in another direction or leaders or whatever. And you got to be okay with that. Sometimes in your life, you see friends do the same thing. That's okay. And the reality is that people, when they come to me and they go, hey, God has said to me, I'll usually look at them and go, hey, I'm not going to argue that with you. I'm not even going to ask you any more questions because you've already played the trump card. You've already played the card that overcomes everything else. The truth is, I'm not going to ask you anything else because you said God told you, and I will not be somebody that talks you out of something that God said. But here's what I will say. You better make sure God said it. You better make sure God said it. Can I give you a warning today? If you say God said something to you, you better make sure he said it. Because if you add his name to something he didn't add his name to, that is a false prophet. That is somebody that is telling a lie to justify their life spiritually. That's what a false prophet does. A prophet, false prophet adds God's name to something for personal benefit. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of things. We're talking about the world now. There's a lot of things that are creeping into the gospel message. Can we just be real for a second? There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of lifestyles. There's a lot of everything that are creeping in to the gospel in the way of the gospel. And if you don't believe the gospel, that's fine. I can actually get behind you and I can look at you and go, okay, you don't believe what I believe. So I can understand where you're coming from. But if you believe what I believe and we read the same Bible, there's some things that are creeping into the gospel today where I'm going, I don't even see where you can get that. Are you with me? Come on. And so I can't know this because God way, God's ways Never contradict his word. If I know this, then I know the way I should go. And I can't allow things to come in and contradict this because this is what he has left for us. Now, I can look at you and go, God told me I could do this. That's fine. And you, but you better make sure he does. And I, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because in James chapter 3, in verse 1, James is giving this word and he looks at a lot of people and he goes, not many of you should become teachers. In other words, some of y'all want to preach, you should probably hang up that dream. There's not a lot of people that are going to teach the word. There's not a lot of people that are going to teach God's ways. There's not a lot of people that are going to teach the narrow gate. There's not a lot of you, my fellow believers, because, here's what he says, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. The moment we start adding God's name, in teaching from that, the accountability on our lives has just gone up a hundredfold. Do you hear me? I cannot add God's name to something and expect God not to take it seriously. I get frustrated when my name gets drugged through the mud for something I never said or did. Do you know why? Because I never said or did it. 
And I don't want you thinking bad or anybody else thinking badly of me because of something I didn't say or do. Now, if I said or did it and you think badly of me, we can have a conversation. But we all get frustrated whenever our names are attached to something that didn't include us. Now, look at the creator of the universe. How much more is he going to get frustrated? So I take my job very seriously because the moment I get up here and start breaking down the word of God, I am held to a very high accountability standard. And I am held, and it says I am held to a higher standard. I am held to more strict judgment from God. I will answer. I just want you to understand that when we attach God's names to something, we will be held accountable for it. And hear me, I'm not just talking about checking everybody else's fruit. We need to check our own. We need to check our own fruit. See, we're gonna, in October, we're going to have this series on the Holy Spirit. And one of the weeks that we're going to talk about is the fruit of the Spirit and how the fruit of the Spirit is an indication of the maturity of our spiritual lives. And we need to check the fruits that we're bearing because sometimes they don't line up with the fruit of the Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like when I had those moments with God this week, I, y'all, I joke about this um, because it is a part of my life and I am trying to work on it. I'm not a patient person. Anybody else with me on that? Don't make me feel so unholy in here. I'm not a patient person. Like, I don't like to wait. I want everything to be done yesterday. Like, why are we still dealing with this? God, why are we that? Like, if you give me a promise, it should be done tomorrow. Right? That's how I live. And this week, God told me, he said, you might enjoy life more if you'd slow down a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, God. And he goes, and, and this is literally what he says. He said, you know, me and God have this fun banner back and forth. And he goes, you know, (laughs) that's a fruit of the Spirit. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. I do. (laughs) That means I'm probably not allowing the Spirit to activate in that area of my life very much. And so we got to check our own fruits. And we got to be careful because here's the reality. Man, some people are thorn bushes and some, some people are thistles. And these kind of people don't produce much fruit so we got to look we got to go is there drama is there divisiveness is there strife is there division rather than connection what is happening because the scripture clearly tells us at the end of verse 20 it says by their fruit you will not you may not you could not not, it's a possibility you will recognize them recognize them as what recognize their allegiance you ever been to grandma's house and it has the fake fruit you know what i'm talking about the wax fruit styrofoam fruit when I was younger, my grandma, God rest her soul, I love her so much, missed her. She died several years ago, but she had this basket of fake fruit on her, on her table. I was younger. I just wanted some grapes. Actually, it was an apple. I'm sorry. I wanted an apple. That apple looked real good. It was shiny, which means it was freshly washed. It just looked so juicy. And I, took, I, took, I grabbed that apple, and I went to go take a bite out of it, and it was wax all over in my mouth. It was nasty. I didn't bite completely into it because I wised up close enough. I was like, oh, this is disgusting. Watch this. Here's why I say that. Fake fruit will be acknowledged at some point. Somebody will try to take a bite. And if we're faking it, they will know it. Check your fruits. Check your fruit. Check my fruit. Check all of our fruits and see what God is doing. And I just want to give you this last point. Your fruit may... Fruit may create fame, but fame is not a fruit. Just because you're famous doesn't mean that you have fruit. It may mean that you know how to work social media. You know what I'm saying? Check the fruits. Check what God's doing. So it's check your feet, check your fruits, check your faith. Verses 21 through 23 of Matthew chapter 7 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, did we not cast out demons? And in your name, did we not perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let's all say it together. Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. There's a key phrase in there that Jesus says, and it's this. I never knew you. Did you know it's possible to go to work, I mean, go to church every single week and not know Jesus? It's possible for you to serve on teams every week at your church and not know Jesus. I'll even tell you this. It's possible for you to pray and not know Jesus. It's possible for you to give and not know Jesus. It's possible for you to know every single worship song that we sing up here and sing it and not know Jesus. It's possible. That's called professional Christians. It's people, because it's one thing to know about someone, right? But isn't it a completely different thing to know someone? Let me give you an example. I was in a plane this week, and I was in a metal tube in the sky going really fast, really high. And I was in there with a, probably a hundred and something other people. It was a very big plane, and we flew over, and, and we all experienced the same onboarding process and the same offloading process, and we all experienced our luggage getting thrown around like rag dolls, and we all experienced like the whole talk of if an oxygen mask comes down in front of your face, put it on your face. Well, I'm freaking out, first of all. Right? And, and then it, we all experienced all the talks, and we all experienced the same thing. And there was one person that I walked off that plane, and I actually knew. And it was because I knew him. We're friends. We share life together. We have conversations together. We know about each other's life. I know about his business. He's a business owner, all these other things. But there were a hundred and some other people on that plane that I knew about, but I had no idea who they were. How many times do we come into church and we sit in a building, we sit in a shell, and we're going really fast, really hard to make sure that everything's done, but we walk out and don't know the one that's leading the plane to begin with? And I don't want that for you. I want you to know Jesus. I don't want you to serve Jesus and not know him. I want you to know Jesus and serve him. I want him to know you. I want him to know your quirks, and I want him to know you. I want you to know him so passionately that when I raise, when we sing I raise a hallelujah, it's not a song, but a hallelujah is a rejoice statement of hallelujah, I'm here again, hallelujah, I've been through hell and back, hallelujah, you pulled me from the pit of the grave of hell, you pulled me from it, Jesus, hallelujah, I raise a hallelujah. See, I can sing that now because I know him. I can sing that now because I know not just about him, but know him. I don't want you to come and listen. And this is what Jesus is saying. Don't come listen to a sermon and walk away and not know the author of what I'm talking about. He's saying, listen to the sermon. Take your notes. Take your next step, but know him. And he's telling a bunch of people in that day and, and then today, you can live your life in such a way that you know about him, but you don't know him. And when you get there, you'll think, Oh, I got it all together. I did this and this and this and this and this. And God, I know you're proud. And God will go, I, I never knew you. We, we never connected. There was never a relationship. Because watch this. God does not want your resume. He wants your relationship. Because what at the end of the scripture did he say? Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not speak on your behalf? Did I not drive out demons? Did I not perform miracles? That's great. But you can do all of that and do the work of God and not know the work of God. 
in you. And God's going, I don't want your resume. I know it. In fact, the one that you won't tell anybody is worse than the one you will. I don't want your resume. I want relationship. And for some of you today, I just need to release you from the bondage of religion that tells you the more you do, the more you're loved. No, I'm already loved. You're already loved. God already loves you. And you work from that, not for that. You work from his acceptance, from his grace. Jesus already died on the cross. You're not doing anything to make him die on the cross again. The reality is I get to walk and work from relationship with my father and relationship through Jesus because he is the narrow gate and he is the way. And now I get to say, you don't want my relationship. I mean, my resume, my resume builds because of my relationship, but you are concerned with my relationship. Come on, somebody. I don't want us to live that way. I've lived that way a lot in my life, and we don't want that. And number four, so it's check your feet. It's check your fruit. It's check your faith, right? And it's check your foundation. Verses 24 through 27 says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Somebody say acts. And acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house. And yet, it did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell. And it was a great fall. See, we have to check our foundation. See, Jesus is basically saying here what James echoes later in Scripture, that you should be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. Jesus says this. You've been listening to me preach for days, guys. I've had a lot of good good points. I hope you took notes. Hey, guys, this has been a great time together. I'm wrapping it up right now. I've been going for as long as you can take. Hey, this is great, but I just want you to know that it's only as good as what you do with it. It's only as good as the action you put behind it because action determines foundation. What am I willing to do with what God has told me? Can I give you a challenge? No sermon or word from God when you're reading scripture or whenever you're talking to the spirit no sermon or word for God should ever be had without you asking the question what do I do now that's why I always talk about taking notes what do I do now because sometimes I have an answer for that but I got to go back and listen to the note look at the notes and go oh this is what this meant let me go back and read the scriptures that supported what I was talking let me let me talk you see what I'm saying that's why it's important and Jesus goes listen Here's what he's essentially trying to get us to understand. You cannot build a solid life on a shaky foundation. You can't do it. You can't build a solid life on a shaky foundation. Most of us are living our lives trying to build a skyscraper. This tall building of accomplishments and money and things relationships. And again, I go back to my my previous message. I don't think things are the problem. I think when things have us, it's the problem. We're trying to build this skyscraper, but I want you to understand that most times, the taller the building, the deeper the foundation. It has to go further in the ground 
with, with rebarb and with cement and with concrete and all this, all this other stuff down in there simply because it has to be able to withstand what will come against it. And I want you to know, life will come at you. Storms will come. And Jesus says, hey, I'll give you two examples. It's the same storm. It's the same wind, same rain coming against the house. Same house, two different foundations. One stands because they built a foundation on Jesus, on the kingdom of God. The other falls because they did not. And Jesus is basically looking at us and looking at them, and he's saying, I don't want your life to fall. I don't want the life that you're building to fall. I want it to stand. I want it to withstand. I want you to build a foundation on me. That's where it's at, the narrow gate. The narrow gate is where it is. It's, it's application produces foundation. And so Jesus looks at him and goes, what kind of foundation are you going to build your house on? What kind of foundation are you going to do? Don't build a skyscraper built on a single-story house foundation. It will not hold. And he says it will be a great fall. Was Jesus prophesying that my life is going to fall apart? No, it's a great fall for him because you will fall from him and he loves you that much. And it's a great big deal every time it happens. It's such a great big deal that the Bible teaches that every time somebody gives their life to Jesus and begins building their foundation and their life on him, what begins to happen is the angels break out and party. If you don't like a party in church, you are not going to enjoy heaven. I'm dead serious. They party all the time. Every time somebody gives their life to the Lord, let's party. Woo! I don't know what the was, but it's there. <laughs> and so here's, here's the question today. Do you want to take that U-turn? Some of us need to take a U-turn and go down the narrow gate. Go back to the destination that we thought we were. Or maybe you, today you found out and you've gone, wait a second, I've been trying to live a good life and be a good person. I thought that was enough, but... Can I tell you, hell is full of really good people. It's faith in Jesus that makes the difference. And so today, let's make that decision and go, today I will change. Today I will U-turn. Today, not today I will be perfect. Today I will begin a relationship with the Father to walk the path to the narrow gate because my path determines where I'm going. And for some of you, I want to give you another next step. We have this resource that I told you about a couple weeks ago during giving called Right Now Media. And right now, media is the Netflix of Bible studies. It costs for you to be a part of it, but we've already picked up the cost. We've already paid the cost for you. I'd love for you to be able to get on right now media for free, find any Bible study you want to find that's on there, and go through it with your spouse, with your family, go through it together, maybe find a good Bible-based uh, a show that your kids can watch to teach them about Jesus, all those things. Here's all I need you to do. Number one, you can, go, or you can do one of two things. One, you can go to radiatechurch.net, click on Next Steps, and the link is right there. Or you can just swing right by our Connect Center on the way out and just say, hey, I want to sign up for right now media today. We've covered the cost. We'll get you the link, and we'll get you set up for free. That's it. If you're online today and you want that, message us, direct message us, or let us know in the chat, and we will make sure that you get the link that you need to do to sign up. See, the truth is, guys, we just want you to grow, and so does Jesus. So if you would, just bow your heads. I just want to pray with you. But I got to ask this. If there's anybody in the room that goes, I'm ready for a U-turn. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to go the narrow gate. I'm ready to turn it around and walk with him.
towards him for eternity. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for my life to be forgiven and my actions to be redeemed. I want a relationship with my Father. If that's you, would you just hold your hand up right where you are? I just want to pray with you today. That's all. Just pray with you. At Ready 8, we do this thing. We say that we do life together. It's not just in life groups, but in life together in general. We've had somebody that's ready to take that U-turn. And what I ask is that when we do life together, we pray this together. And we support our brother or sister, whoever's ready to give their life to Jesus. So if you would, just pray this out loud with me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for another chance for the narrow gate, for the sacrifice of your life so that I can have eternal life. I walk with you from this day forward, not in perfection, but in obedience. Thank you for welcoming me in the family of God today. Father, thank you for who you are and loving us like you do, and I give you all that we have. And God, there are people in this room that are giving their lives to you and taking that U-turn. And God, as they fill out that card to get help and, and to go, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Will you walk this out with me? And we give them those, 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 um, and we give them those resources. God, I pray that it would be beneficial. And God, today, as we walk out of this room today, just help us check our faith, check our fruit, help us check our feet, help us check our uh, foundation, and help us walk this thing out so that we can love you with all that we have and enjoy life, man. We get to enjoy life with you. Grow us, make us better, and God, bring us back next week. Fill these rooms for Father's Day. God, I love you, and I thank you for what you're doing through us and in us in this room and in this house. In your name we pray, and can we make some noise and party like the angels in heaven for somebody that gave their life to Jesus today.